0: Sorry about there's some cicada noises. That's right, that's In the nice. background you might
1: <laughs> yeah. Hello and welcome to Listen Carefully. I'm your host, Nathan Jolly, and my guest today is Sally Siltman. Sally used to record under the name New Buffalo. She's one-third of Seeker Lover Keeper. And she wrote the song one, two, three, four by Feist. Well, I would like to start with your latest record, Early Moon. I was just wondering Mm -hmm. if the way you write songs has changed between that and your early stuff, if like kind of technology and the fact that you're also like the producer, I suppose how you've changed as technology has changed in terms of songwriting.
0: Yeah, I'll guess I'll answer that by saying I I guess I've changed a bit with technology but also I've changed the way I write songs due to just the way I've changed as a person and grown up and – you know traveled around the world and things like that Sure. but um my first new buffalo album the last beautiful day that that was with like a really old sampler with floppy disks like that right. that's how i <laughs> that's how i recorded that record yeah and that was just available to me at the time and it was my husband's sampler and um but i still use pro tools like out of o- over all this whole time that's that's still my um, I, I choose to record using Pro Tools.
1: And do you build from the production up, or do you write the songs on, like, say, piano or guitar or something like that? Like, how? I guess how I'm asking how you write songs for one of. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, I mainly write songs on piano or guitar. Yeah. Um or a keyboard or anything that's lying around. I'm a big fan of like broken instruments that hardly play and I just feel like that's a challenge for me and <laughs> it's kind of fun. Yeah. Um but then then I do have some songs that I've written where I didn't have the song written and I got got onto Pro Tools and um just started writing by doing some loops or some samples or things like that.
1: And you mentioned your first record which came out 20 years ago. By the way, have you got any plans to do any kind of revisiting of that?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm just planning. I'd like to do a couple of shows um, to celebrate that, a 20-year anniversary of that record. Okay. Um, yeah, but um, haven't got anything to announce just yet. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Um,
1: <laughs> do you listen back to your old stuff? And when you do, how do you feel about it?
0: Yeah, I don't ever just go. Oh, I might listen to an album that I made, but I do have to listen to it sometimes. Like last year, I did a um, I put together the sort of a live score for something at Acme in Melbourne, and I had to be listening to that at uh, that specific album, The Last Beautiful Day. I had to listen to that over and over just to get pull the samples apart and whatnot. And um, yeah, it's really funny feeling because sometimes I will think. Wow, um, you know, this was quite a lot of work that I did, and I think I at the time I just was churning stuff out, and then like right next, like what am I going to do now? Because
1: you play everything on that album, don't you? Basically,
0: well, Jim White from the Dirty Three, he, oh, plays, yeah, he plays drums a bit. Yeah. Plays drums on a few things, um, yeah. But I play, I did play in most things. So it was a bit of a. I went into like that's my era of. Um, I can do everything myself, <laughs> kind of.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because then around 2010, so you'd done so you done three solo records by that time. But then you joined a band. How was that after so many years of just kind of being your own architect of everything you do?
0: Um. Yeah. So seeker, lover, keeper. Yeah. You're talking about. Yep. Well. Yeah. That just. It was great because I felt good because I'd done a few solo things um, and it just felt like a nice um, thing to try and we were all up for it. So um, it's definitely very different to just working on my own because, you know, when you're collaborating as a group like that, uh, there are a lot of times where you've got to let someone else have a bit more of a say and then you have more of a say and be constantly talking about your feelings and <laughs> <laughs> that that sort of thing which um yeah which was good and and of course i always just think at the end of the day it's like anything you do as a collaboration like that it's not going to sound like your solo stuff and that's not what you're trying to achieve it's going to have the sort of sound and flavor of everyone that you're working with so yeah yeah that, that I, I really enjoyed doing that and um yeah it was great i love playing with sarah and holly
1: And that was around the time that you started putting out your records, which were very much solo albums under your own name. What was behind that decision?
0: Well, to be honest, um, that decision was made because um, my label in Canada, Arts and Crafts, they suggested it. And I was like, oh. Okay, I hadn't thought of that because the whole time I was working on that album, I was thinking, Oh, yeah, this is a New Buffalo album. And then I asked my, my I've got a really good sort of old best friend who lives in Los Angeles now, but I just asked her opinion and I really trust her, and she said, I reckon do it under your own name, and so that's that's why now I release music as Sally Seltman instead of New Buffalo. So
1: do you feel it's like one continuum, like you don't divide the projects, or do you?
0: Um, I sometimes feel a bit like, why did I do that? Why did I change (laughs) my name? (laughs) Um, but yeah,
1: it's a big decision midstream.
0: Yeah, it is. It's kind of weird. Um, but I definitely feel in a way my new Buffalo albums that I was more solo. I was doing everything. I was recording, producing, engineering on, well, not not the first EP with New Buffalo. That was my husband Darren recorded and produced that. But um, I don't know. It's weird. I just kind of went with it. You know, you just kind of travel through life and <laughs> make changes and try not to regret them. <laughs>
1: I'm glad you brought up that first EP. I love 16 beats. And did that get Triple J play at the time?
0: Oh, I actually can't remember, but I do remember that's what like Heavenly in the UK, they loved that song. And that's how they put out that EP over there. And I toured with Ed Harcourt in the UK because of that song. That's amazing. Yeah, I wrote I love that song too, because I I wrote it on this tiny Casio keyboard that my parents gave me when I was about ten. <laughs> and I was I just moved to Melbourne and I was just sitting sitting on the bed in the share house that I was living in. And and I just wrote that song and it's very inspired by the Beach Boys and Surf's Up, like, you know that album. Yeah,
1: that's a beautiful album.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, it was, I don't know, it's, yeah, you're making me think about my past.
1: Sorry about that. <laughs>
0: that's all right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's stay back there then. When you were making that first EP, where were you musically? Like, had you had a few kind of bands and Different kind of recording things, or was that the first thing you'd recorded?
0: Um, so I grew up in Sydney and I, um, when I was about eighteen, started a band with my best friend, who's the one who I got advice about changing my name. Um, and we were called we were called Lust of Four, and we were like this cool sort of guitar, beat punk, but very melodic harmonies band that would play like at lots of pubs and stuff in Newtown. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of that just fell apart after a few years. And then I and then I just really had the feeling that I wanted to try and start a solo music career. Um, and I moved to Melbourne and, um, and I met my husband, Darren, and he le- he's from Melbourne, um, so, yeah, he plays a very major role in my life, really, because we're still married and everything. Yeah.
1: He's your husband, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, and he just um, said, like, he was doing the Avalanches album since I left you, and then he was like, you know, let's I'll, I'll record your first EP, I'll do that for you. So it was all around that time when all that music was being made and played in my house in East Brunswick and, um yeah, we slowly worked away at, in our home studio and and made, it's called About Last Night, that's my first new Buffalo EP.
1: Yeah, it's very beautiful and I can hear the crossover with Since I Left You as well in terms of that production and is it built off samples in the same way?
0: Well, I actually, all of the songs that I'd written first on keyboard or I organ or so. guitar, so yeah, a little different but... In in one of them in particular, Darren sort of pulled it apart a bit in terms of the arrangement and, um, yeah, so it became like the kind of song that sounded like it was written just with all different samples.
1: Right, I say yeah. Then you put out Last Beautiful Day and then Somewhere Anywhere. Mm-hmm. Did you notice a kind of jump at a point?
0: Um, I don't know. I've always been the kind of artist that's like, people always say wow you should be so much so much more successful than you are <laughs> but i i did i toured a lot in uh, a bit in the uk but a lot in america where i'd support you know i supported vice like all across canada i supported broken social scene supported benley quite a bit because he's a good friend of mine and um and then also did solo shows but um yeah, like you will. I will just talk about hopefully it's okay. Um, yeah, go. You mentioned so my second album, Somewhere Anywhere, that is probably my favorite album I've ever made. And, um, I just it was a really difficult time in my life when I was making that. And I made it in a shed in my backyard. We lived, um, in Torquay on the great that's on the Great Ocean Road in Victoria. Yeah. And, um, it was like, Therapy kind of like medicine for me, just working away. I'd just go in there and close the door and for eight hours a day I'd be in there with my piano because it's a very piano-based album. It is, yeah. Yeah. And um anyway, I just thought I'd mention that because that was, I don't know, just like a really memorable part of my life. Um, yeah, and I hope that people like <laughs> like the album <laughs>
1: yeah, well, I like the album are you are you usually prescriptive like that in terms of when you've got work to do, you can just sit down and work for eight hours
0: um with making music um um yeah, yeah, kind of, maybe not as much now, but um, I just find it's just my real real happy place where I just get so much joy out of like. I don't know, like layering harmonies and doing adding a bass line, and you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's or writing a whole song that didn't exist before. That's my my doing that for me is like real, real pure joy. So, um, yeah, and that that album just helped me through a rough time. And then, um, yeah, and then I did the next album.
1: And then, what was it like during the That album, considering you know you were going through a rough time, did you feel like you had to relive it?
0: Um, uh, yeah, kind of. Well, because I kind of thought I just wanted to record this intensely. I don't know if it comes across this, like if you were to listen to the album, I don't know what the listener thinks, but for me, the creator, I just thought, um, I just want this to be this is a really emotional time and I just want to express all these emotions and I'd go down to work in my little shed studio and it would be the night and I'd look up at the sky and there would be this full moon and all these like clouds like blowing across and I would think that's what I want this to sound like and feel like as an album. That's beautiful. Yeah, then I did play some shows for that in America and Australia and that was great and I loved it and it, but it, they were... Emotional songs for me to sing. Uh, then, so I decided to try to make a bit more of an uplifting album. After that, even though it's not that down, all my songs are emotional, uplifting. Everyone tells me, so <laughs> I love to write sad, kind of dark songs. But there's always a light, you know, that you can that I can mention yeah. <laughs> that you can see.
1: Um, you mentioned Feist before. Did you keep one, two, three, four off one of your albums because you thought it sounded too much like a Feist song?
0: Well, I definitely, yeah, so I wrote that on piano and um, I definitely thought this sounds so much like a Fyce song because I'd just been given her album Let It Die by this woman in London when I was there. Yeah. So I didn't record it. I just hung on to it. Um, but then I toured with her across Canada and loved her shows and sort of became friends. And, yeah, and then right at the end of the tour um, just just asked if she would be interested in playing a song I wrote that sounded like a fire <laughs> song. <laughs>
1: That's quite a brave thing to do to approach her and just say, I've written a song. I to you.
0: know. Tell me tell me about it. Tell me about it. That's the only time I had really done it. And then it was like just a crazy stroke of luck, like what happened after.
1: And what was that like when it started blowing up? Cause was it because it was on the iTunes ad? Is that what blew it up? Or like what was the sequence of events with that?
0: Well, the sequence of events from my end yeah, was... Yeah, yeah, that's what I want to Yeah, first we found out that she's playing it live, and I was like, oh, well that's great. And then the, and then we found out oh, it's made it on the record, on her record, and I thought, oh, wow. wonderful. And then um, they said, oh, it's going to be the first single. And I was like, oh, whoa, whoa. And then it came out, and it was the first single, and I think it did quite well. And then it, it got on like a Apple, like a Nano or something. Yeah, or
1: something. Like yeah, that,
0: yeah. Some Apple thing and then it got in the charts like after that ad and then, yeah, it just really took on, just took off and it was really, really weird for me because um I was far away from, you know, New York and everywhere where all the action was and would just hear things like, oh, hang on, like Britney Spears is higher than us on the charts this week, <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> things like that. So, um but yeah it was good and it felt like a really you know what like that whole song and the exchange of me giving it to feist it it just felt like a really lovely real honest thing that happened and so i don't know that's good
1: oh you can't orchestrate it yeah millions have tried
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah, totally
1: it was on sesame street like that's quite Mm. an insane thing did it kind of mess with your career in terms of maybe people started to want to fashion you in a certain pop way or maybe they just wanted to hold off releases like did it have any kind of detrimental impact on your career
0: it's definitely had a big impact on my career but uh, some funny little things that I just thought of were I remember when it first came out and I was on tour in Australia with Paul Kelly supporting him right, yeah. and then my manager got this phone call saying, oh, VW want to fly you to LA so you can write the song for their next car ad. <laughs> and I was like, what? Um, I, didn't, I didn't do that. But a few funny things like that happened. But then it also just meant, um, I don't know, like not just within Australia, but around the world, a lot of people know of that song. Like you know, it's it, it was just in the Billie Eilish documentary, and she's her she's singing it with her family and stuff like that. Oh
1: wow! Does that stuff pop up all the time? Where like?
0: Yeah, that stuff pops up all the time. Um. So, and you know, like I'll go to Bali, and I'll go to a cafe, and they're playing it, or like someone will say, "I heard your song in a cafe in Italy today," or not my song, it's Feist's song, but um, well, it's your song. Yeah, but it's um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it opened up and I and I ended up doing a lot of co-writing and things like that after that happened. Um, but I've still really tried to stay true to myself as a solo artist because that's what I really love to do. So,
1: Yeah, it's interesting that it thrust you into kind of co-writing situations because that's not really what your career's been about. It's kind of been almost the opposite. It's like you write all your stuff by yourself, you produce it, you engineer it, you play all the instruments. Like, Yeah. How was that experience having to, like, did they kind of team you up with, like, LA songwriters? Did it get to that point?
0: Um, yeah, well, it was. It was it was definitely a choice I made. Like, I oh, sure, I yeah. decided, yeah, I want to go over and write with different people.
1: Yeah, why wouldn't you?
0: Yeah. So it's just I learned that it can be really satisfying and really fun and then also sometimes you just don't really gel with the other singer-songwriter and then I also learned that I, I want to do, keep doing my own solo albums. But, yeah, I am open to co-writing because um, I, I, do, I just do really love the process and the act of writing a song.
1: You also did a soundtrack recently with your husband, Darren, The Letdown. And, like, I noticed a lot of the songs are, like, properly formed songs as opposed to, like, soundtrack kind of soundscapes. Did they start as songs or were they written specifically for that project? How did that come about?
0: Um, Yeah, so that was um, my good friend of mine, Sarah Scheller, was one of the creators of that show and asked us to do the music for that. And, yeah, the way we Darren and I worked together with that, so we both composed and recorded it, uh, we just felt comfortable having – knowing if we had quite a big library of songs that we'd composed ready to go for, you know, when we get all the footage. Um, whereas I think a lot of composers work with, they, they get the footage and then they quickly have to <laughs> compose everything. Yeah. yeah, but I guess for that, um so you can listen to the soundtrack on... Spotify and wherever you listen to music,
1: yeah, it's like a fully formed album. It's brilliant,
0: yeah. Well, we we formed each song into a bit more of a song, so it would be like a yeah album for people to listen to. But yeah, it was a really great experience. We loved it. Um, we love writing for for the screen.
1: Is that something you'd done before?
0: no, i've I've had my songs used in films before, like, um, Grace Anatomy for one and you know, okay, just stuff yeah. like that you know, where where um it's an existing song of mine from one of my album gets licensed for a film. But that was the first um thing we'd done and we actually won an award. We got we won like Screen Screen Music Award for best song for um Dancing in the darkness for for that show. So that That's was great. quite a good quite a good achievement. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> a few final questions. Is there a third Seeker, Lover, Keeper album in the canon or is that just something where you literally just meet up at the townie and decide?
0: <laughs> um, I hope there'll be a third one. Um, I definitely love the process of working with Sarah and Holly and we're all quite busy with our different little bits and pieces that we do. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope so.
1: And what about a follow-up to Early Moon? How far along are you in well, I suppose I better ask what you're working on at the moment, if it is a solo album.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm working on a new solo album. Right. Um, yeah, I'm I'm recording and producing it myself. So I'm going back to like my new Buffalo days. Excellent. And yeah, I'm feeling really, really good about it. I've got most of the song most of the songs are written and um I'm just doing full home studio kind of um <laughs> world. <laughs> Are you good at
1: knowing when to like kind of hit the brakes with that stuff, or do you end up like layering, you know, as you mentioned, Ryan Wilson style surfs up until oh, yeah. you have to strip it back?
0: Um, I'm actually pretty good at hitting the brakes. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh so I, I, I work I work well with people who don't hit the brakes and take things <laughs> a little further, to be honest. But yeah. um yeah, I I just yeah, I don't know. It's it's a, That's a really interesting thing because some musicians, they really find that difficult, don't they, to like when when's the time to f- say a song is done? Yeah,
1: because it's endless options and you can endlessly tinker. Yeah,
0: there's no, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, And I suppose finally, if you had to point someone to one of your songs that you just feel has been severely overlooked and needs another chance, what would that song be? You can choose a few if you've...
0: Oh, that's a great question. Um, okay, I'll, I'll choose my song Yes yep. from my first new Buffalo album. The New York Times did not overlook it, but maybe some other people have because <laughs> they mentioned it in their review. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, I really like it. It's the poetry, like, in the lyrics I, I'm really uh, proud of. Um, another song? Oh, God. Um There's a song called States and Spaces that's from my album, Hey, Daydreamer, and it's the last song on the album. That's one I like. And then on that note, I'll also add Misery and Mountains, Arrows and Bows, and that's the last song of my Somewhere Anywhere album. And that feels like that's the song that sums up my life or something, if you know what I mean.
1: (laughs) And that was Sally Seltman. And you can listen to her most recent record, Early Moon, wherever you listen to records. And my guest next week will be Lydia Lunch. Until then.